My name is Andrew. I'm here with my wife, Liz. We're from, as Steve's already mentioned, we're from uh, Cape Town, Josh Jenin City Bowl. Um, and it's such a pleasure to be with you. It's, we've had some fun with, your, with some of you this weekend, especially the leaders. Uh, we've been seeing a few individuals as well. It's been great to get to know some of you, and we've loved it. It just The family of God is something else, isn't it? It's something so special. Wherever we are, wherever we are on the planet, in South Africa, the people of God are something special. Liz, did you have something you wanted to share with us, just a prophetic word before we get going? This is just an encouragement to you as a church, but this morning I was reading Luke, and I read the parable of the fig tree, the barren fig tree. It's a fig tree that didn't bear any fruit for several years, and the, some people said, oh, just cut it down, you know, what a waste. And then somebody said, no, I'm going to pot it, repot it, I'm going to put um, pot compost in, I'm going to water it, I'm going to nurture it, and then we'll see. And I felt, as I read that, I felt I've seen that in these leaders this weekend. We've met with the leaders, the elders, the leaders, and individuals, and I just felt God say, well done, leaders. You are men and women that say, no, we're going to push through for fruit. We're going to do the work and water the ground and put the compost on. And for the rest of you, I want to say, look at these leaders and be thankful. You're in safe hands. And if you feel you're not bearing fruit, these leaders will push through and help you bear fruit and help you be the people that carry on to be the people that do put the compost on and, and, and water. So well done, says God. <laughs> well done and keep going. I think he's very pleased with how you're doing. Just before we get going, let's just pray. I want to, I'm going to be reading quite a, quite a few scriptures today. Uh, I want that scripture to just soak in and allow it to be watered, allow it to, um, allow the seed of the word to start coming to life, start coming to fruition in you. I'm going to pray as Paul prayed for the Colossians, asking that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. God, will you Will you do that this morning, among, uh, this evening amongst us? Will you fill us with, a, with fresh knowledge of you? Give us spiritual wisdom and understanding of what you're up to so that we can change and become more like you. That's what we want, Lord. We want to become more like you. Help us, Holy Spirit. In, um, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith when he returns? When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? And I've, I've always been challenged by that. I want to be a person of faith, and I want to be a person of more faith. Because that's what Jesus will be pleased with. A people who are full of faith. And will he find it in your life? Will he find faith in your life? I, th I really believe that we can have faith for more in 24. Will you have faith for more in 24? 
Anyone else say yes? Good. I think we can have faith for being more like Jesus. We can, because he sent his spirit. We can have faith for living in the fruits of the spirit much more, can't we? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I'm going to be speaking about that one at the end. We can have faith for using the gifts of God more skillfully and more liberally and with much more boldness, can't we? We can have faith for seeing more salvations. Come on. Come on. We want to see more salvations, don't we? More people coming to know our Savior. We we want to have faith for seeing each other come into the fullness of what God has for us. The, f- the purposes that each that God has called us to. We can have faith to see each other come into more. We can have faith f- to see the church grow in influence as well as numbers. Influence in this town, in this province, in this country. We can have faith for more, can't we? So, why not? Why can't? Let's expect those things. If God's going to give us faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, if God gives us faith, we can expect some of those things. We can expect more healings. I was really, I was talking to um, Robin of Robin and Carla earlier. He just believes God for healings. Actually, that really struck me. If we pray, we must expect God to heal. Sometimes he doesn't, but we should be expecting it. And I want, I want a greater faith to expect people to be healed when I pray for them. Why not? Why not? But I really believe that God will transform each one of us more into his likeness this year. I really have faith for that. I have faith for myself, our people in City Bowl. I have faith for you guys as well. Um, and we were just talking as elders um, last week, I think, about maybe what God wants to do amongst us, some of the things that God wants to do us amongst us this year. And God dropped into my heart four R's. Resilience, restraint, responsibility, and relationships. Resilience, restraint, responsibility, and relationships. I'm going to be speaking on the first two this evening because I believe that's something that God wants to work into each one of us, resilience and restraint. And I don't know who's preaching over the next few weeks, but I've given you a freebie. (laughs) Responsibilities and relationships. But we need faith for that, don't we? We need faith to be able to walk in a greater measure of of resilience. And by restraint, I mean self-control. That's what it means, but we'll be coming to that. Let's have a look at the, the dictionary definition of resilience. It says it's the capacity or ability to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. It's, a, it's that inner toughness that helps us to quickly recover and move forward. I want, I want, that's, and I believe that's what something that God wants to work in us um, as a people. Let's read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. Are they coming up? Yep. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and when you read a therefore, 
at the beginning of a verse or a chapter, you just need to flick back to the previous verses and chapters. What is he, what's it therefore about? Just a, a hint, a clue as you're doing your quiet times. If you do that, what does, what's this therefore about? So in chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, it's talking about Abraham being justified by faith and that um, he received his promises because of his faith. So in the light of that, let's read chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, our Lord Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access to faith into, his, into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that, and no one really likes this verse, but let's go with it. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. And in some versions it says, hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So let's just look at those, that, those middle verses. It says, um, going from verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, that knowing that suffering produces endurance or perseverance, which is what we were talking about earlier, and endurance produces character. And I, I believe that one of the main character traits that endurance produces is resilience. When we can endure things, when we can persevere through things, I believe we become more resilient as people. We're able to recover more quickly. We are much tougher for God, for his things. We don't get dragged down into worldly stuff. We don't get dragged into, you know, th we, life is hard, isn't it? Life is hard. But we can recover quickly. In this day and age, resilience is probably not a strong trait amongst us. And I have to say it, especially in the millennial and Gen Z generations. And part of that may be because of the culture. There's so many options available. There's so many other things that we can be doing. We just get distracted. We don't press through. Maybe some of it's because, yeah, our we haven't been parented to be tough. And maybe I'm just as much as fault as there is anybody else. We, we need to learn our inner toughness of being resilient so that we can recover quickly and press on to all that God has called us to. And let's face it, it is hard. Life is hard. It's hard to be faithful in your job when the job may be a bit boring at times or when the boss is not great or not very effective or is a bit of a bully or it's tough. T work can be tough. You may have to drive far every day. Work is tough. It's hard to be disciplined with your time, your body, your energy because there's so many things that demand of us, so many other distractions that can 
cause us to do things which maybe aren't best for us. It causes us not to rest, even. It's hard to be disciplined with our finances, and, and Wade spoke so brilliantly about that earlier. What was it? Something cut and change. Check, cut, check. It's hard to be disciplined with your finances. It's hard to cut back. Because there's so much stuff out there pulling on our wallets. Children. So, <laughs> we need to spend on our children sometimes, but is it necessary or is it unnecessary? Is that extra item going into your shopping trolley at ch Checkers or wherever you use are you Are you being disciplined with your savings? Are you being disciplined with your taxes? It's hard. It's hard. We've got, this is what God's calling us to. Are you, are you doing well with your spiritual disciplines? Because that's tough too. Every day, regularly, read the word, pray, fast. Not every day fasting maybe, but <laughs> regularly. It's hard to be part of, fully part of the church community at times. There's just so much going on. You want to be at everything. FOMO. But actually, what's God calling you to? Where, where can you say, actually, that's probably not best for me? Um, there's, there's a lot going on. And, and sometimes it's hard to say no or hard to be a part of the things that you know God wants you to be a part of. Sometimes you have to say yes. Often you have to say yes. We need you here. We, you need to be an active part of the body. It's tough sometimes. It's tough when children come along. And all of the above are even tougher. You know, having your quiet times, your finances, your spiritual disciplines, they're even tougher when children come along. It's hard to be consistent disciplining your children. But that will start to build resilience in them. So just ask yourself the question, what do you do? What, well, let's ask it rhetorically. What do we do when we're not being resilient? What happens when we're not very resilient? Generally, we just run away and find something else which is easier or more comfortable, don't we? I don't believe that's how God wants us to be. So how do I become more resilient? I think it's quite simple. At a very base level, it's quite simple. I need to die to myself. We're dying to live. We're living to die. We must just make sure we don't physically die. But we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to our comforts. We need to die to sometimes the easier option. Because otherwise, we will not become resilient. God wants to, through endurance and perseverance, become resilient. Like, like we saw in worship this morning, when Amy came forward, I said, we just need to push through on this. We need to go, some of us need to go one step further and push through because we need to become resilient in worship and not just, oh, 
Again, the chorus. Again. Actually, we, we turn, Jesus wants our all. He wants us all physically, all mentally, all emotionally, all spirit. He wants our all. And that sometimes is hard work. So character, I believe resilience is a character um, which we build through endurance and perseverance. I want to give you, let's just give you an example of the oak trees in Kirstenbosch. Do, do most of you will know where Kirstenbosch Gardens are, botanical gardens in the southern suburbs of Cape Town. Beautiful gardens. We used to use it as our back garden sometimes because we lived near there. And every plant in there is indigenous to South, uh, South Africa, except for some oak trees. Some oak trees were planted at the beginning of the developing town, colony, whatever, of Cape Town back in the 1600s, so that they could use them for building, building Cape Town as it developed, but also for, to, to use them for the wine industry, for vats, for the wine. That's why they were planted. And they wanted to plant many of them so that there'd be always a stock of oak wood. But when they started maturing and they were cutting them down, they found actually that they were not strong enough. And that actually they were too porous for wine vats. And they wondered what the reason was. And they realized that Cape Town does not have the climate of Europe. They were English oaks where it gets very cold in winter. And oak trees need the cold weather to harden, to become resilient. They need hard winters to become resilient. And because Cape Town's a much more mild climate, I gather it's even milder here on a regular basis, um, they didn't they didn't have the properties which they needed for building and for the wine vats. And that's the same for us. If we don't go through hard times and become resilient, we won't become the people that God wants us to be. We won't become tough. We won't be able to recover quickly and move forward with him. Does that make sense? Actually. So let me ask you a question. What do you do in the difficult times, in the hard moments when they come to you? What do you do? Just think about that for a minute. Do you embrace them and allow God to transform you, make you tougher, or do you run? You run. <laughs> thing is, God, God helps us. He doesn't leave us just to sort it out on our own. We can't do this in our own strength. It's not by power, nor by might, nor by my, it's but, but by my spirit. He, his grace is sufficient. His power is able. And he's given us his Holy Spirit to help us. The Holy Spirit is our helper. We've got to call on him. Can't do this on our own. It's... It's only with him. Romans 12 says this. We have the, the Romans 12 verses up, verses 1 and 2. 
I appeal to you. I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world. Do not run away and look for the easy option like this world does. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing, that by hard times, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to change our thinking so that we are transformed, not conformed. Let's just have a Sila moment there. For those of us who may or may not have heard of the word, it, one of its meanings means to pause. It indicates a pause in, in, in the writing as it was in the Psalms. But I just have a Sila moment here. Let's just have a pause moment. And let's think, each one of us, where am I? being conformed to this world? And how am I being conformed to the culture around me? Am I? Which areas of my life do I need to become tougher? Do I need to become more resilient? Is it at work? Is it at home? Is it with my relationships? Is it with my finances? What area of your life do you need to become more resilient? What needs to die in you, in me. Therefore, there's that word again, in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, so Hebrews 11 is all about the who's who of faith and, the, and recounts some of their acts of faith. So in the light of those people of faith who ex had experienced God's work firsthand, who knew, had trusted God for incredible things, in the light of that, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run, run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How did Jesus do that? He ran his race with endurance. How did he do that? How did he endure the cross and despise its shame? Because he was... He knew his God. He was tough on the inside. He had faith in his Father. God wants to work resilience in us, and he knows what he's doing in each one of us. He's God. He knows what he's up to. But we, in our, on our part, need a need a bigger view of God. I think we need to understand how great he is much more, that he is well able to help us. His power is able 
His Spirit is with us. We have to have a lesser view of ourselves and our comforts. And yeah, as I said, He's given us His Holy Spirit who will help us. I believe each one of us can endure and endure more, actually. God, this year, more endurance in 24. Endure more in 24. More resilient in 24. Resilience more, whatever it is. The word shows us that we can. So, we can. Why not? Okay, so that was resilience. Let's have a look at restraint. Restraint in the dictionary says this. It's a measure or condition that keeps someone or something under control. It's a measure or condition that keeps someone or something under control. So for you and me, restraint is self-control. The ability to control myself. Proverbs 29, verse 18 says this. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Let me just maybe paraphrase that a bit without deviating from Scripture. People without prophetic vision cast off self-control. But blessed is the man who lives a controlled life according to the law of God. People without a prophetic vision cast off self-control. But blessed is the man who lives a controlled life according to the law of God. I just want to look at three aspects of, con of restraint. What does restraint look like? What effect or impact does it have on our lives, especially if we're not restrained or self-controlled? And how do, we, how do we live controlled lives? How do we exercise self-control? So what can a lack of restraint look like? And as I'm going through these, maybe just shut your eyes and ask God to highlight maybe one or two or three to you that you need to work on. Is it anger issues? Is it jealousy? Is it your tongue? Too quick to respond or too quick with a sharp remark or whatever? Is it gossiping? Is it the use of your credit card? Is it extra things that goes into your shopping basket? Is it your eating habits or your eating out habits? Is it spending too much time gaming or watching Netflix series? Is it having one drink too many? Is it not getting to bed or getting up at a reasonable time? Is it what you're reading? Is it your spiritual disciplines, maybe? Or your financial disciplines? And, I, and there are many more I could mention. Is it your relationships? 
Is it how? Is it unforgiveness? What area of do you need to bring under control in your life? God wants us to be a self-controlled people. Self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Restraint is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And what's the impact? What does that look like if we're not self-controlled, if we're not restrained? Proverbs 25, 28 says this, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. That's scary, isn't it? A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. In other words, there's no defenses. There's nothing there to hold back the enemy. So we do... We can leave ourselves exposed and vulnerable to sin. If there's no self-control, we can leave ourselves exposed and vulnerable to sin. Look at the example of Cain in Genesis chapter 4. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, you will, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain's walls were down. He had no defense against anger. And it led him to murder. It led him into sin. Now we don't know why Cain's offering was unacceptable to God. In a way that's not the point. The point is he had no self-control. That's the point of this. If we're not careful lack of self-control will lead us into sin. Another impact of um, a lack of restraint or a lack of self-control we find in 1 Peter 4 verse 7 it says the end of all things is, is at hand therefore be self-controlled and so sober-minded for the sake of your prayers if you are not self-controlled your prayers will have very little effect it says also in, um, in John James chapter 5, which I won't put up, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Self-control, lack of self-control will impact your prayer life, will impact the effectiveness of your prayers. 
So how do we live? Number three, how do we live self-controlled lives? Well, Titus chapter 2 shows us this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. God's grace trains us to be self-controlled. We need to access God's grace. And, and the, in, in this case, I don't believe it's the unmerited favor of God type grace, although that, that grace is often um, translated or used like that. I believe that this grace is the power of God at work in us, helping us to overcome ungodliness and worldly passions. The grace of God is the power of God at work in us, enabling us to do what we can't do ourselves, for only by his power, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. It's that grace which trains us to renounce ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age. One of my mantras is, God is always speaking. God is always speaking. Speaking to each one of us, it's just up to us and to whether we tune in or not. Sometimes God will speak directly, very directly to you about specific things. He also uses other people to speak to us. So I don't know what your friendship circle's like. I don't know how much you tr you've got really close friends, but maybe it would be a good idea to them and say to, to ask them. Where do you see me being unself-controlled, being unrestrained? Very vulnerable question. But if we want to be people who live self-controlled lives, and I've told you, I've explained some of the reasons why we need that. If we want to be people like that, sometimes we ha need other people to show us. We all have blind spots. I still do sometimes get quite angry with taxi drivers. But I have needed people to actually show me, not that I just get angry with them, but actually somewhere in there there's a root, and my wife Elizabeth is probably the one who's <laughs> helping me see that. There's a root in there. What is it? What's causing me? And I've realized, actually, they're invading my space. I don't like people invading my space. And a taxi driver just drives straight into my piece of road. So, you know, there's a route there that God wants to deal with. And I need to. Otherwise, my walls are down and I'm defenseless. And sin will come in and I'll ram into that taxi or whatever. No, I'm serious, though. It's, it could happen. Well, it won't happen. But something like that might happen in, in, in other cases. We were at an elders meeting probably 18 months ago. And one of the other elders said, said Andrew, I've, just, I've noticed something. You're on your phone a lot. And I started being quite defensive. 
reasons. And then I just, oh, God, you're actually speaking here. God is speaking. I needed to listen. And it was true. And so I've put some limitations on myself. I've put some self-disciplines in place. I no longer go on the phone before 7 o'clock in the morning and after 9 o'clock at night, among, as well as trying to reduce how much I look at it during the day. But I needed to put some disciplines in place for myself, for my own health. Actually, it's not good to be on screens late at night. And being on the screens early in the morning was taking away from my time with the Lord. So I needed to actually put in place some self-discipline to help me. And do you know what? I found I actually don't need to be on the phone. Amazing, eh? Do you have people, friends, who can really honestly challenge you? Just like Hunts, my elder friend, did with me. It wasn't, wasn't easy for him. It wasn't easy for me. But actually, it's helped me. Um, where are we? We are looking at how. So it's by the grace of God. God's grace trains us. It's by walking with the Holy Spirit. We're nearly there. Galatians 5, chapter, six, uh, chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. When your walls are down. When there's no defense because there's lack of self-control. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we walk by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit, will living in the fruits of the Spirit, self-control, we need the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. We need his anointing upon us. And quickly, lastly, number three, by having a firmly established heart. 1 Corinthians 7 says this, but whoever is firmly established or unwavering in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desires under control, and has thus and has this and has determined this in his heart he will do well so we have need to have a heart that is focused on Jesus focused on wanting to obey him focusing on wanting to become more like him when we have that heart he will help us by his spirit to change 